1: join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on Fan of History. Yay! Us. Yay! We have a special episode again with a repeater. He, he, he must like me. Gary Stevens from History in the Bible. Hi guys. Welcome, Gary. You know, this was one of our a very popular episode for our podcast. Oh, gl- I'm glad it was. Yeah. Dan liked it very much. Um, I had three people that I know personally that said they enjoyed it. Ooh. <laughs> that you know personally. Personally, well,
2: yes. If, if you like statistic, statistically magnify it, that must be like millions and millions.
1: Of- I didn't think of it that way. So yeah, we're here again, and and I ever since I heard your podcast, path, you know, episode, I should say, on Deuteronomy and the Deuteronomist, and it's also in the time frame that we're in now on our fan of history podcast is so the six, uh, the mid six hundreds BC. I don't know. I've been fascinated with it. And I always said to Gary, I will have to do a podcast on Deuteronomy because it's really interesting. And so here we are. So we're going to do a podcast about Deuteronomy. And it's apropos, like I say, because it's right in our time frame of our podcast. And and here we are. So um, I would uh, I'll kick it off because Gary knows about Deuteronomy, you know, inside and out. I've learned about it, and I'm going to talk about, the, I'll talk about the history, you know, how it started, so I'll we'll just, I'll get started on it. So, so Deuteronomy was supposedly found in a temple when Josiah was king of Judah. So, Josiah was born in 648 BC, and he became the king of Judah in 640, 640 BC after his father, who was King Ammon was assassinated. That's kind of a spoiler for our podcast. We didn't get to him yet. He was only king for a year, so something was going on. So Josiah was the grandson of Manasseh, who was, as we know, was the evil, was, was portrayed as quite evil in the Bible.
2: Oh, yeah, wicked, wicked, wicked man.
1: Wicked. He's always told as wicked. Even, even sometimes when I would do research for this and I'll, you know, look up scholars and they'll say, Manasseh was wicked. Okay. <laughs> he was Wicked. That's a compliment that Some today, right? Like, oh, that's a wicked guy. <laughs> and the Hebrews had a devil of a
2: time explaining why if Manasseh was so wicked, he reigned for the longest reign of any of the Davidic kings. That was a big problem to them.
1: And how did they, how did they solve that problem, I think?
2: Basically, they said that um, God's vengeance was visited a few generations later. Which seems to be like a tremendous cop out.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Well, I would think of it like as God is like has if um, they would probably think God sort of time is goes different for God. He'd like you he just noticed you pissed him off, and you know sixty, seventy years later is when he comes down hard on you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe he was busy doing other things.
1: I mean, yeah, time just you know if you could, if you were like a billions of years old. I imagine like 50, 60 years is not is a blink of an eye. But we really don't have a lot of records on um, Josiah except the Bible. I thought, you know, I'll talk all about Josiah, but there's really not much except for what's in the Bible. And I think a lot of times when you you listen to podcasts or you read history and someone just sums it up, I mean, this is this a short passage? So I'm pretty much just going to read a short passage. I cut out some of the hard words and— extras, but I'll read this passage. So this is how Deuteronomy came to be found. Here it is. It's from 2 Kings. It's not from Deuteronomy. It's from 2 Kings. Starting at 2 Kings 22, chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his forefather David not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighteenth year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, to the temple of the Lord. He said, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers, who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the mason. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. So soon after, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Oh, and by the way, uh, (laughs) Shaphan told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And then Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and all Judah about what is written in this book and what has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: then Hilkiah the priest and some other guys, I cut all that out, went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of... She was a prophetess, so she was a female prophet.
2: Yeah, if I could just interject there. Certainly. Huldah is one of only four female prophets mentioned in the Bible. There's um, Hulda, Miriam, who's Moses' sister, Deborah, and someone else I've forgotten. Uh, and this is the one and only cameo, special cameo appearance by Hulda. <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny. So it's always when I talk to you, too, and I can I prepare for these for hours. And then right when I'm talking, I'm like, oh, I just had an epiphany. Like around the same time, there was some prop female prophets, you know, um, running around in Assyria. All right. Um, yeah, there was um, Ezra Haddon had a there was a prophecy that Ezra Haddon was going to be overthrown, that the seed of Sennacherib would be destroyed by this prophetess from Haran. So could have been an era type of thing. Yeah, it could
2: have been like a, a wave of feminist prophets.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm not talking about the children. This the servant of the bones from Anne Rice, with the what the female witch did to the man. Well, that's sort of one of my jokes. I always talk about that book. So, so this is what the prophetess said. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Tell the man who you sent to me. That's meaning Josiah. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people. According to everything written in the book, the King of Judah has read. We're going to bring fire brimstone disaster, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah this is what the Lord the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. But Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place, that they would become a curse and be laid waste and all the people. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in this place. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place." Then they took this answer back to the king.
0: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me
1: get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary so just a couple of things before i like turn a lot this over to gary is um Josiah, so he was 26 years old when this happened. And that would make this, if this is all correct, would be the year 622 B.C. I do have a question for Gary and, like, two questions. First is, did Shafan read this whole thing? Because it's a pretty long book. I know just the, you know, listening to it on YouTube is two and a half hours, so I'm not sure.
2: Really? Two and a half hours to read it? Well, that, that sounds about right.
1: And, like, what was on this scroll? Like, what's, what's the deal?
2: Well, it's believed that the core of the scroll is the um, central law code, which I think is about eight chapters of the whole. And I think it's chapters 16 to 24, something like that. That's believed to be what this scroll was.
1: Oh, so the scroll that they showed Josiah wasn't the whole book of Deuteronomy, it was just the one, the law part of the scroll.
2: I mean, if you look at Deuteronomy, it's pretty clear that lots of things were added later because there's, fair, there's fairly clear references to what the Israelites should do when they're in exile.
1: Oh, I, oh, when they're in exile.
2: Taken from this place. So bits were clapped on, certainly, as late as uh, around about the year 540 when the Babylonians took them off to Babylon.
1: Uh-huh. Maybe a little later.
2: Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe
1: a bit later. Sorry, I have to stop and correct myself here. I meant to say a little earlier, but I get mixed up when counting B.C. dates backwards, so that's why I messed that up. So the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonians was in around 586 B.C. Okay, sorry, back to the episode. So it's very much a composite
2: work. The the identification of this passage in, in Kings... With Deuteronomy, it was only made fairly recently. And by fairly recently, I mean about a century ago.
1: Oh, so they didn't realize that that was Deuteronomy until 100 years ago? Yeah, correct. Wow, I thought that's what you said, but I had to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, too.
2: Uh, yeah, because a modern biblical scholarship only really kicked off in around 1800 uh, and seriously got going in the 1820s. And it wasn't until then that scholars actually started form and text criticism of the Old Testament.
1: Would the, would the Hebrews have known though what they meant at the time when Kings was written?
2: Not that I know of. No, there was no there was no tradition, as far as I know, that the passage that you just read referred to the book of Deuteronomy.
1: Amazing. Well, that just changes my whole thoughts in my head about the whole thing. <laughs> That's that's okay.
2: In, in fact, I suspect that if modern uh, Jews thought it referred to anything, they thought it probably referred to the whole Torah.
1: I see. All right, well, have I learned something again? See, you, we're all learning stuff. So then it was all added up. But what what they what, So in other words, what Josiah was presented with was the law, and the law was, there's a lot in there, right? I mean, it was, I mean, it's really, so basically... To cut to the chase a little bit, there was it was sort of like to fit with their political events that were going on at the time.
2: Yeah, the, the background seems to be, well, firstly, the traditional line, of course, is that the kingdom of Judah has always been, uh, sorry, was always a monotheistic kingdom, worshipping God, but every so often the people strayed and did something naughty. It is now believed that both the, the old kingdoms of Israel and the southern one of Judah, which survived, Judah survived the Assyrians, were always polytheist. Always. There was a monotheistic movement inside Judah, but it only became dominant probably in, in, the, in the reign of Josiah. So they're basically a bunch of polytheists, which is something you will not get if you read the Bible. There are little tiny hints.
1: For sure, there's hints in Deuteronomy. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are hints in Deuteronomy. You've got a quote there somewhere. He says, "Oh, wait, let's see. What does he say? No idols or representatives of anything in heaven, above or below the or earth, or in the depths of the sea, because I am a jealous God." So he's a jealous God, doesn't he? Didn't say the only God, and he says, "No idols or representatives of anything in heaven." Not saying like there's nothing in heaven, just. Not any of the other ones.
2: And I think that there are passages, I think, in places like Isaiah, uh, etc., where the old polytheism really does come through, mm-hmm. where, say, the prophet refers to uh, the council of the gods.
1: Oh, yeah, sure.
2: I mean, one of the confusing things is that Elohim, which is one of the names of God, is a plural. hmm Yeah, so, so it could be God. Uh, or gods, and in general, all these other gods basically vanished from the tradition, but they do survive and reemerge as angels in in later Judaism.
1: The good ones and the bad ones from the other people are devils, I guess. Uh, well, uh, I think they're considered to be, well, they're fallen angels. Well, doesn't Baal? Baal's like a devil now, isn't he?
2: Yeah, Baal, Baal is a devil. I suppose they also, um, well, actually, I think One thing unique to Judaism, in either its polytheistic or monotheistic forms, is that it never had demons, unlike the Canaanites' religions and all the others, who have a whole bunch of independently created evil beings. The Israelites never seem to have got around to that, and there's only one little remnant, there's only one tiny little thing in, and I forget where, (sighs) could it be Deuteronomy? No, no, it's somewhere else. Uh, there's only one remnant in the Bible of that, and that is, um, you know, the
1: scapegoat. The scapegoat. I remember you talking about it in your podcast, actually, but I don't remember. I don't remember it exactly either. <laughs> the satan, not the satan. That's different. That's the adversary, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hasatan is the adversary, and throughout the Old Testament, Hasatan is God's best friend. Ah, right. And chief bureaucrat. Yeah. And he often acts as quite literally the devil's
1: advocate. Yes. <laughs> right, he's not the evil devil, right? Oh no,
2: he's not evil at all. He's just pointing out to God, hey, you know this guy Job, he's not as good as he thinks he is, okay? Do you think we ought to teach him a lesson? No, it was some demon Azazel or something. Where you where you uh, you get this goat and you mumble words over it and you send him out into the wilderness. And the goat takes away all the sins from the people. Oh,
1: that's convenient. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it? Do you have to kill him then, the goat? Do you have to to sacrifice the goat?
2: And I'm just dredging this up from memory. I think there are two goats. You get to keep one and eat it. Okay. And and you have to let the other one go, carrying all your sins with it. And I'm sure that 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 goat was the happier goat. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I imagine. I guess it depends on your sins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and what you do if you see some goat acting wild out in the woods you'll know he's the one Stay away from him and if you have a neighbor who's like really bad and you see that like a goat being really bad in the woods just keep away from that goat <laughs> yeah so um, see that's what happens we'll go all over the place so yeah I think that they were it seems like from what I'm reading it and from what I understand about the time and what was going on in Judah at the time a lot of it being that the Israelites from the northern kingdom, you know, kingdom of Israel, were still using some of doing a lot of their previous uh, religious ceremonies, like in the, they have the groves and like to Asherah and things like that, right? And the posts. And some people, like they said, Manasseh had his son walk through the fire. And they're specific in Deuteronomy, like, you know, don't have your children walk through the fire, don't have sacred posts, only the Levites, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And it seemed like convenient to to change what was happening, you know, get this certain class of the priests, these Levites, and get rid of the other priests. Actually, just on the notion
2: of groves, that comes from the King James Bible. When they produced the King James Bible, they came across this word Asherah, and they had no idea what it meant, really. So they looked at the context and said, "Mm, okay, yeah, sacred posts and groves, and Asherah's a grove. Nowadays... Of course, it's Asherah was a goddess. Mm, of course. Yeah. Not a little clump of trees, but a real, but a, but a goddess. And, and is the exact equivalent of Astarte, Right. Or, yeah. or Ashtati.
1: She's God's wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God's wife. So when, but he has a wife, you know. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but at this point, they, he, there was Asherah, but I wonder if he was supposed, to, she was supposed to be Yahweh's wife or just a goddess, but... Or something like that, but so they, but they, so Grove really meant worship to Asherah, and there was at worship of Asherah right in the temple, right? Yes,
2: as, as far as we know, there are numerous passages. I think referring to King Hezekiah, who's Josiah's grandfather or great grandfather.
1: He'd be the great grandfather, yeah,
2: great grandfather. Okay, there are specific references to Hezekiah getting rid of all the evil idols that Solomon, Solomon of all people, put into the temple.
1: Ah, right. That was after he had his epiphany and he was sick, I think, and then then God made, let him have a, his child. I mean,
2: Hezekiah seems to be the one who kicked off the monotheistic reform movement because it was in his reign that all the Israelite refugees were fleeing into his little kingdom of Judah after Assyria. So Hezekiah seems to have kicked it off and then a couple of generations later Josiah concluded it. And one of the big centerpieces of Josiah's thing was the discovery of this book of the law.
1: What do you think? You think it was discovered or you think it was part of I mean we'll never know. I mean it seems convenient that that whatever like one group of people were trying to push Uh, All of a sudden, the book shows up. The God is pretty much on your side.
2: Uh, I I suspect that the that was discovered, which is the central eight chapters of Deuteronomy, had been around for quite a while, and it was a key text of this monotheistic reform movement, which had never really got much traction until the time of Hezekiah and Josiah. I, I don't think they wrote it on the spot, but they just finally said, oh, here's our chance. We now have an opportunity to become the dominant religious power in the kingdom. So let's show him
1: our sacred book. I mean, I think that I totally am cynical about it. I think they may not have wrote it that minute. Obviously, it took a while, but I feel like it was a whole plan. Because it just seems too specific to the time. You know, like to Asherah's, if, you know, they were groves or what, but if they're Asherah's and then the walking through the fire, like how would Moses have known about walking through the fire? When was, when was Moses supposed to have come out? Like 1400 BC? Right, so their the language, right, the writing wouldn't even have been the same. So obviously we know Moses didn't write it, but when? And that's my opinion. I just, I'm cynical about it. I think somebody, some real smart high priest said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write this thing. We're going to tell a king that we saw it. I mean, he became king at, what, like 12, I think, or eight. He was pretty young. Yeah, he was eight when he became king. That must get into your head. You know, like you must have a pretty good sense of yourself, you know, chosen by God to be king since you're eight.
2: (laughs) I mean, that always works out well, doesn't it? Right. A a, a young child has supreme power, is surrounded by sycophants, always works out a treat.
1: Yeah. But I, mean, I could just imagine too, like they had somebody who was in his ear all the time. You know, you're chosen by God. You are, you know, they were in a theocratic society. So here's this guy, 26 years old. It's not the same as 26 today, but it's still 26. And someone says, you know, or he Josiah was in on it. That's what I wonder. Maybe Josiah was in on the whole thing. You know, like here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna tell him we found a squirrel. Obviously, this is conjecture, and it's sacrilege too. I'm just saying. We, we don't know for sure. No, we, we
2: don't know, but I, I suppose it was just the result of a factional power struggle.
1: That's the way I'm trying to say, yes.
2: Whether Josiah was part of it or, or not, or it's just the priests doing their usual sort of right. power trippy things.
1: Right. They, um, were very, um, they were very, the whole, you know, all the people were very superstitious, not just Hebrews. You know, I'm not bragging on them. I did a lot of study on Ezra Haddon at the time. And as and that's apropos, too, because the treaties, the Ezra Haddon success in treaties are very similar. The Deuteronomy is very similar to a lot of the language in there, as you say. We should get to that because that's hysterical. But he was very, so Ezra Haddon was, he had a rash on his face, and um, they think he, and he had a rash all over his body. He was very sickly. It could have been, he could have had lupus. That's the one thing that they say he may have had. And a skin rash was one of the curses of seeing the moon god. So he was like freaked out all the time about why seeing the moon god was mad at him. He was always fixing things. And yeah, I said, like in Haran, there was the, the big episode where they said somebody was going to, was going to take Ezra Haddon down. There was a huge um, purge. There's one line in the Babylonian Chronicles, like, Ezra Haddon killed all his generals. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they found that there was all kind of unrest. You know it was this that kind of time you know where people were very superstitious, you know, I mean' talking to six hundred b c so I could just imagine like I say the priest or somebody brings this book, and it just seems so specific to me, like all the things you talked about that was going on since since Hezekiah, since the Assyrians took the northern kingdom away, and all this stuff I mean, as far as I read that then Josiah, his reforms also involved like killing and burning all the other priests, right. The
2: central program of Deuteronomy, uh, which it often refers to, is all the worship has to be centralized at Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and all religious sacrifice has to be conducted at Jerusalem at the temple. If you hearken back to Genesis, what the patriarchs did, Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob, etc it's quite clear. They, they sacrifice all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. They'll have a little altar somewhere. And, and these rural altars seem to have been... A feature of the Hebrews' history. But now in this reform program, what the priests of the temple are saying, no, are, no, 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 no. All those fake priests out in the countryside with their fake orders, we've got to get rid of them. So they are cementing their power in Jerusalem.
1: We it stayed for a long, even when they left and came back, it went right back into Jerusalem, right? That was Jesus's whole beef, he was fighting with them in the temple. I mean, basically, uh, the program worked brilliantly. Yeah, it was great. It was good. I mean, 600 years.
2: <laughs> well, even now, the temple is still the center, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, that's right. It skipped a couple of thousand years in between. Okay? I mean, yeah, because yeah, it's always been there, yeah. Did you have to buy a special sheep? Do you still have to buy a special sheep from the priests, or can you? I mean, I'm not being s- s- silly, but I know that was sort of a thing, right? You had to, like you couldn't just bring your own sheep or your own chicken
2: yeah, I think the justification the priest had was that you could only use good old uh, Jewish money to buy your thing. And apparently, you know, right through to Roman times, the Jews weren't that brilliant about money. They often used Phoenician coins. And, of course, through Greek and Roman times, it then became Greek and Roman money. And you can't possibly spend pagan money to buy a sacrifice. No, 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 no. You've got to go to the priest. You exchange your pagan money for good Jewish coinage, and then you give the coinage back to the priest, and voila, you get your pigeon or, or whatever, and now you can sacrifice. So basically they invented a bank.
1: Ah, oh, good. That's the money changers that the Jesus threw out of the temple.
2: Uh, and one of the things I think people don't realize about the money changers is that they were not considered evil in Judaism. They were an essential part of the system.
1: Sure. That's a, Definitely. Money is a social tool, very important. (laughs) Otherwise, you have to carry a lot of sheep around with you. (laughs) So, yeah, so that seems to me like that was the point, like we're going to centralize it all. And then through the whole, if you know, if you ever, I'll even put a link in the notes, like just the YouTube, um, you know, guy reads it to you. I mean, they go on and on about not just the Asherah, but about the Levites. He keeps bringing up the Levites, you know, well, because the Levites don't have their own money and their own stuff, you have to, the Levites have to do all this. That's all reads to me.
2: Can I read some of the laws from the central Yeah,
1: Yeah, so you read my mind. I was going to say, Gary, let's get into it because there is such a lot. It is very interesting. It really is. I mean, it's a great work of ancient literature.
2: Now, firstly, the thing to remember is that Deuteronomy is supposedly uh, written by Moses. Okay, so so he is the supposed author. Uh, And by the way, Deuteronomy, uh, in Hebrew it's called uh, Devarim, which are, these are the words, because they are the opening words to it. Uh, Deuteronomy comes from the Greek and basically means a copy of the teaching or maybe second law. Deuteronomy is so named because it's viewed as an amplification and rehash of all the other laws which have gone into the Torah. The Torah, of course, are the five books of Moses. Deuteronomy is the last of these books, which is a little bit weird because the book before Deuteronomy is Numbers. Numbers would make a a perfectly normal and fitting conclusion to the Torah, which would make it the four books of Moses. Because the story of Moses basically concludes in Numbers. His impending death is confirmed. The land of Canaan is allocated. Joshua is appointed is appointed to his successor, and we look forward to the climax, the actual conquest in the book of Joshua, and then Deuteronomy happens.
1: I'm sorry, you know, I'm just thinking of those to me, because <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. It just reminds me, at the time, some of the people must have thought this was like Trump putting the Sharpie on the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> At the time, you know now it's sold thousands of years ago. To us, it's still ancient. But then it was like, wait, we already have these books. Now this one.
2: (laughs) And here's an example of the programmatic nature of the book. Uh, Deuteronomy twelve thirteen, take care not to sacrifice your burnt offerings in any place you like, but only in the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribal territories. There you shall sacrifice your burnt offerings, and there you shall observe. All that I enjoin upon you. Now, these are supposedly the words of Moses. Right. So there's no, there's no capital of Jerusalem. There's no country of Israel. Moses is talking on the other side of the Jordan to the Israelites who are about to conquer Canaan. There he is addressing his people and he says, Hey, well, you know, one of these days uh, we'll have a capital, we'll have a country; it'll be great. And you got to do this stuff. Going <laughs>
1: after you, you got a big job ahead of you. You still got to kill all these people on this <laughs> over those mountains. But when it's going to be fine. And after that, this is how you do it.
2: A couple of centuries later, don't worry;
1: you'll just go by in a flash. Just write this. Who's writing it? I guess somebody was writing it down. as the, the idea? Go ahead, yeah, yeah, you you take it, like whatever else you got, because you, you got this. this, is awesome. Hey, so you know what, I think we're going to cut this off here, and we're going to come back, and Gary's going to tell us some more laws, and he's also going to tell us about the Deuteronomist editors, and how they edited different parts of the Bible. Don't miss it.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands